Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Well, and certainly because like Massachusetts and Connecticut aren't going to say like, okay, well, New Hampshire says this. So then we're just going to give up on your residency when we have like a true income tax, you know, at nine to, you know, six to 12% or whatever their individual rates are. So yeah, that's interesting. And we, we don't deal, you know, with a lot of individual domicile issues just from our area of practice, just because it's so, it's really interesting to hear you know, something new, especially again, from Mm. like states that you generally don't hear as being like the bad guys. Right. Certainly when you're low, you know, being in Maine, you get that, but. Yeah. And, you know, I think New Hampshire, um, in our experience, and I'll say something nice about the department of revenue administration in like our, we're not cheating on them. They are, they are quite reasonable and they're, they're good to work with and they will like have conversations with you. And, and for whatever reason, this, this case, they have just sort of dug in and it's a little bit surprising because this is a tax that's going away in like a year. Mm. (laughs) So talk about it. But like, when you think about like interest and dividends, like the materiality, like what are they, how much money are they actually going after, particularly if they're kind of focusing on this one year and, you know, is it more of like a principle argue, like out of principle, this is wrong to take, you know, to litigate versus, you know, fighting and and this is kind of an overarching conversation too is like when do you actually get to or should you take something to court and bear those costs for you know how much tax is that issue but one it's kind of regardless you know admirable for your clients to kind of push the issue because that's how you get answers right audit settlements don't give answers to the general populace Right. And I think we we lucked out with the client. Um, I think he perceives how how unfair this entire audit is. And, um, you know, he has the willingness to litigate. So it was it's a good client. Um, really yeah. Good yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the some of the more recent cases that I've read, it's kind of like it's like a hundred thousand dollars on tax for like a large corporation, right? Where it's yeah. like that's really not that big of a deal, but you know, to establish a true answer, you know, kind of like Wayfair, right? It's probably not a big deal. Just go ahead and collect. Big deal. You can agree on something, but at least you have that public answer that, in theory, you know, people are going to be held to or states or businesses or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And that's an issue that, you know, practicing in a relatively small state, we run into that issue quite a bit where the the tax issue itself might be very interesting and very meaty, but the amount at issue is just, it's not that much. Like you're not going to have your biggest tax assessment in Maine. I mean, it, you know, it's just, it's so, to Meredith's point, uh, I, I agree, it's so nice to to see taxpayers willing to go after it, right? I mean, um, Halstead Beat is another kind of company that comes to mind that that is is, is pushing back, right, publicly. Right. And uh, and it's, it's, I think, fantastic that they are. Um, so whenever I hear about taxpayers doing that, even when 
the materiality might not be there, right? From a from a cost uh, from a from a cost benefit perspective, a cost of litigation, right? Risk of loss uh, perspective, um, they're doing it anyway, and that's that's amazing, right? And to maybe like switch topics a little bit again on, on that cost issue in our litigation. So, so the way that the things work, and I think this works the same way in a lot of states, is that um, by the time you reach either the Board of Tax Appeals or Superior Court, um, you're dealing with the Attorney General's office. And they have a few attorneys over there who, who focus primarily on, on tax issues. And one of the you know recent battles that we've had, which is not even a tax issue, is is about um, confidential information. So, in many of our recent uh, corporate income tax cases, primarily, the the attorney general or like the assistant AGs have been really pushing for disclosure of confidential like confidential taxpayer information, like tax returns, and then just like confidential information of the taxpayer, like details of, of contracts. And I think Maine, like a lot of other states, has a statute on the books that protects uh, taxpayer confidential information, like tax returns, things like that. Um, but there's this carve-out that it allows the production, like the language is like production in court of so much and no more of the information that is pertinent. And the assistant AGs have been taking the position that this language that says, you know, the production in court is permitted. And they've taken that to mean the production to the public. Um, So not only to like the court, but to the court in a publicly accessible manner, which is, you know, from my perspective, not at all what the statute says. Um, and this kind of originated, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a, there was a big Apple case out of Maine a couple of years ago. It was a sales tax case about what, you know, the, the correct purchase price of, of a phone when it was sold with a, with a long-term contract. And a side issue in that case was the fact that the parties had agreed to a confidentiality order, which is actually a form order that the that the business court here has. And um, the assistant AGs really wanted disclosure of um, contract pricing, which is, you know, obviously like very sensitive business information and has nothing to do with the case at all. You know, it doesn't like the taxability, the tax price has nothing to do with like the actual number at issue or the sales price has nothing to do with the, with the actual contractual payment amount. Um, it either, it either is part of the sale price or it isn't. And the, our, the law court, which is what we call our Supreme Judicial Court, so, so the law court essentially ruled like, yeah, this confidentiality order is pretty, it's pretty broad, but it's not an abuse of discretion for the, for the trial court to agree to seal that information. And so since that case came out, we like in every single litigation, we've seen the AG is like trying to disclose like contract pricing. They're trying to disclose like tax returns. They're trying to disclose customer names, like things that are really tangential, tangential to the issues involved. But we have kind of a mini litigation that's 
to the side of of the of the main show. Yeah, and and luckily, at least so far, trial courts seem pretty skeptical of the AG's arguments, and they've been ruling in our favor, and they've been protecting this information. So I, that's the good news is that it's it's not getting out there. But the bad news is that again, it's it's adding to the costs of a case that might not have a ton of tax dollars involved to begin with. Can you share any theories as to why you think they're doing this? Is it just a litigation strategy or or do you think there's something else driving um, it? So we've talked to them about it. At least we've talked to one of one person within the office and, you know, his position is that, you know, the public should have access to the courts and the public should have access to what's going on in the courts. And I won't speculate that on that. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> doesn't seem to answer the question, but... I mean, not my question, but the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can only talk about, you know, what the effect is on, on our clients, which is yeah. like you have to have sort of a tolerance for the additional costs of, of battling. It's fascinating. How long have you seen that they're kind of picking on that? Like in the, is this like a the last five years, the last like six months, or is this just a... Yeah, I would say in the last like two to three years, there's really okay. been an uptick of of battles over what to disclose and what, what not to disclose. Yeah, and I mean, it, it goes towards, you know, a lot of it goes towards uh, like voluntary compliance issues. You know, you want your clients to feel comfortable turning over documents um, in an audit that will support their position, even if those documents include information, um, and not have those documents included in public filing. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting issue that I don't know that we've really heard many people bring up kind of in, in conversation. So we appreciate that insight and something new. Yeah. You were honored this year... Um, with the Lancaster Pro Bono Attorney of the Year Award for Pro Bono Hours, would you just like to share a little bit of that as we say congratulations and, you know, that's all, like, just congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, so almost all, if not all of those hours were dedicated to a pro bono property tax case um, for an organization called Peace Ridge Sanctuary which is located in Midcoast, Maine. And I am I get really, really excited talking about this case because I don't think we get a lot of opportunities as tax lawyers to take on these like really big pro bono uh, litigation opportunities. Uh, so so thank you for asking about it. Um, I, I was excited to receive the award, but I was more excited that we won the case. So, so I will tell you about the case and the organization and, and what happened. So, so Peace Ridge, like I said, it's it's a nonprofit um, animal shelter that houses and cares for like all kinds of farm animals. And when I say farm animals, I mean like every single kind. There's like there are horses and pigs and donkeys and cows and birds um, and goats, like very very cute goats. <laughs> and also they have dogs, they have rescue dogs. Um, and so, so that's what they do. They, they're one of the largest animal shelters um, in the state and I think actually in the country. 
because of this property that was the subject of the litigation. And so, so Maine as a state, they have, we have um, an animal welfare program where if there are animals that are being mistreated or neglected, there are humane agents that have authority to seize the animals. And then there's like a civil or even a criminal potentially court proceeding. And so this animal welfare program essentially relies on Peace Ridge to take in the animals that are seized and and house them, provide them medical care, provide them some rehab, um, food, shelter, everything that the animals need. And when I'm talking about they rely on Peace Ridge, it's not like sometimes it's, you know, we'll see like a horse kind of standing out that might be like malnourished, for example. But in a lot of cases, it'll be like a flock of 40 sheep. Um, so it's it's big, big numbers, um, and the state really couldn't do this work without the support of Peace Ridge. And in a lot of the cases, the animals are ultimately relinquished by their owners, you know, as, as part of the court proceeding, and Peace Ridge will house them for the rest of their natural lives. So, so this all started in, in late 2015. Peace Ridge received some donations that allowed them to buy this really, really huge 800-acre property in the town of Brooks. Before that, they were on a pretty small property um, in, a, in a different town. And so this property allowed them to take in tons of animals. Like at this point, like they have hundreds and hundreds of animals on this property. But they, they had a dual mission. So part of the mission was... Um, animal sheltering. And then the other part of the mission was that they really wanted to like conserve a good chunk of this property for wildlife habitat. There's, there's a lot of like cool diverse habitats on the property. There's a wetland, like if you like bird watching, it's kind of a paradise, Um, lots of migratory birds there. And so, so the legal issue was, you know, is Peace Ridge entitled to a property tax exemption for this 800 acre property? And Maine law allows the exemption for uh, benevolent and charitable organizations that own or use, I'm sorry, that own and use or occupy the property for their own purposes. Um, Like, this seems like a no-brainer, I think. You know, they are an animal shelter. They're not-for-profit. They're using their land to house all of these animals. They um, they also do like a lot of programming. They'll open the property up to the public every once in a while. Um, so they're doing a lot. And um, it seems like the answer is obvious. But... <laughs> Olga, can I interrupt you? Who, who's the villain oh, in this story? I was about to tell you so- about the villain. So mm-hmm. the villain is, is... I mean, it's not the villain, but the... No, no, no. I'm being, I'm being dramatic because this, this, I'm, I'm sucked in. I'm, I'm emotionally invested in yeah, the story. So, cute animals, right? so you've set this up quite well. You're not talking about <laughs> Trump's golf course in New York that you know yeah. gets its own easement. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first, I know there are no bodies on this land. So, so the ta- so they applied for the exemption their first year, 2016. The town just like was dead set against it um, right from the start. You know, the town like just kept denying the exemption, kept denying the exemption. And so like when Peace Ridge's executive director went to a select board meeting to kind of talk about their work and all the good that they're doing, the selectman responded by taking a pool on her age. They 
all went down the line and they all tried to guess how old she was. And, and this came out in testimony from some of the selectmen. So this is an undisputed fact in this case. Um, so, so that's kind of how it started with like really egregious behavior by these folks. And there were comments made during this meeting about how they needed to assimilate, that they needed to like cut down all the trees on their property to pay their property taxes, which is pretty antithetical to an organization that's trying to conserve wildlife habitat. Um, and and there, there was just all, all kinds of side discussion and, and nothing about what Maine law actually required for the exemption. That, that really never came up um, in any of these meetings. And you know, I think it's it's small town issues. Feelings get hurt. People sort of get entrenched in their positions, and so we this went to trial. There was there was really nothing to do but but go to trial, and the trial got um, canceled a few times. We were supposed to go to trial. I think like March seventeenth, twenty twenty. Um, oh, the timing! <laughs> we got a from the court at like 10 p.m. the Friday before, saying that all the courts were closed. Then they got rescheduled for late summer and canceled again because they couldn't find enough marshals to protect the judge. Um, <laughs> to protect so, the judge from what? Anything, anything at all. COVID. <laughs> like, I think like you need to have marshals just to keep the order in a court. Yeah. And so okay. we finally had the trial it was in May 2021, and it was mostly on Zoom, so that solved all of the issue. Except that I say mostly on Zoom because one morning of the trial, all of us carpooled and caravaned over to Peace Ridge for a site visit. And I will say that this was 100% at the suggestion of the town. I think they they just wanted to go look at what was going on at Peace Ridge. So it was like all of us on the Peace Ridge team, a bunch of select people, um, the assessing agent for the town, their lawyer, the judge, and his marshal. <laughs> so so they got a marshal for the site visit. And we just like spent this morning walking around the property looking at like really, really cute animals. It's uh, the way I describe this property is it's basically like a petting zoo, but the animals are like friendly to humans because they've learned that humans are good because they receive such good care at this place. And there was this one moment where there's a, there was a three-legged goat and she hopped over to one of the select men and like nuzzled in like she was a puppy and the selectman like completely fell in love with her and was just on the ground petting her little head for the next 20 minutes. And at that point, the judge turns to me and he said, Counselor, did you plan this? <laughs> 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 so, um, like, obviously we didn't, but I, I feel like maybe that was the moment where if there was any doubt uh, that resolved. It sounds like somebody had a chat with that goat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so, so from just like a factual perspective, I think things were like it was very clear. Like there were like dogs being walked on trails in the woods. They were they were clearly using the property for this for this animal shelter purpose. But there actually were legal issues involved that might be of interest. So one issue was. 
can they can Peace Ridge even qualify for an exemption? So like in the normal course, you have to submit an exemption application. If you don't get it, you file an abatement application, you go through the abatement process. So Peace Ridge did submit an application the first year, but it didn't submit applications the next two years. So there was this big question of like, can we even procedurally be here right now? And maybe this is another interesting thing about Maine, where Maine has court created a court-created second avenue to an exemption, which is that you can just file a declaratory judgment requesting an exemption, um, whether or not you have filed an application or whether or not you have requested abatement. So you have two options. You can go the abatement route or you can go this declaratory judgment route. So we we went the declaratory judgment route and the court just affirmed that that it was an option for us. So in a, in a, in a different state, without that court-created avenue, you, you may have lost on procedural grounds I like think that? so. I think we would have been shut out because we didn't, because they didn't timely appeal. It's tough when you kind of have to fall back on equity, huh? Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very nice for us that we did. That we had that option, yeah. you know, because yeah. they they came to us after all of these years had passed, and you know, we took over the case and we started like filing all of the abatement applications on their behalf for the later years. But the deadlines were just long, long gone at that point. Um, but we have it's like it's a long line of cases at this point in Maine that just continually affirm that it's it's kind of a unique position that you can get an exemption through a declaratory judgment. Um, so that was kind of the first question. And then the second question was, okay, so did Peace Ridge meet that user occupy standard? So like it's April the the date at issue was April, the assessment date is April 1st, 2016. They bought the property in late 2015. Um, if you know anything about Maine winter, which I imagine is very similar to Minnesota winter, our winter goes long past April 1st. So not a whole lot of work was done by April 1st, 2016. Like, they had gotten a few quotes and there were like some dogs living on the property. There were some pigs on the property and they were fundraising to do more, but they like, they couldn't move the animals on the property because the roads were posted. So they had to wait until the summer till the weight lim- weight limits were lifted. Um, hmm. So like the question is, it's like a huge 800 acre property. Like, is it enough to just like have a few dogs and have a few pigs over here and just have all of this work kind of going on in the process um, in the background. And and we that's another issue that that we won because the standard that applied to um, the user occupy standard was um, did the organization actually appropriate the par- the property for its charitable purpose? Um, and the court found that Peace Ridge bought the property with a, this definite intent to relocate and expand. So, so we won on that issue as well. And then the final issue, and I think like maybe the issue that has the biggest impact for other main organizations and organizations across the country was, okay, so what about this conservation land? Like is conservation a charitable use of property? 
And the courts around the country are really like all over the place on that issue. Um, Some say yes, some say no. And we had, um, so the town was arguing that um, Peace Ridge had to basically like open up this conservation land for public use in order to qualify for the exemption. And that was based on this Holbrook Island Sanctuary case, which is a beautiful sanctuary, by the way. I was there like two weeks ago and it's it's really lovely. Um, but in that case, the, the sanctuary did not get the exemption because the court found that it was a game preserve and because it didn't allow hunting consistent with main public policy, it didn't qualify for the charitable exemption. Like you have to be in line with main public policy um, in order to qualify for the charitable exemption. So some years after that, we had another case on that same issue called Francis Small Heritage Trust. And in that case, the, the law court essentially held that, hey, Maine actually has a public policy supporting land conservation and cited to like all these statutes where Maine can... Um, has the public policy and especially when the land conservation is coupled with some sort of public benefit. So, so we made the argument that number one, conservation by itself is enough, but number two, um, Peace Ridge is, is not only conserving the land, it's also using the land for its sanctuary activities. Like there are like dog walking trails around, um, around the, the woods and, um, we had one of the humane agents testify that these the animals who are brought in in such distress need those woods as a like a quiet buffer for their peaceful recovery and rehabilitation. And the court completely adopted that. They, you know, they said that it was enough that we had like a few trails running through the woods. It was enough that that this buffer land existed to to create some quiet for the animals. So, and I think the interesting thing is that the court said, you know, with respect to parcels where there's those activities weren't going on, that like if those parcels were like in a conservation easement or a trust of some sort, that would probably be enough to get those parcels exempt. So, so I thought that was, that was a pretty interesting decision and, and the judge really got it right. So, Big win. Um, Peace Ridge got its refund. The court actually ordered the town to pay our costs, which was a nice little bonus. <laughs> it almost never happens. Um, so yeah, let, thank you for letting me share that. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for you know your time and this conversation. And we got to talk about a few things differently that we don't. So yeah, thank you for your perspective and you know, also being a friend of the firm. And until next time, this is Saltivation. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented. 